Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, welcome to the 15th episode of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I have two great film critic guests with me today, Mike Sargent and Lisa Rossman. Mike, introduce yourself. I am Mike Sargent. And Lisa Rosman, <laughs> introduce yourself and tell us what you do. Okay. Um, I, Lisa, I do a weekly panel show for New York One called Talking Pictures, and I write uh, about film and literature and feminism, so you'll have to deal with that, boys, uh, for Signature <laughs> Reads. And I also write a blog called Signs and Sirens, where I talk about all those topics plus things that freak people out, like witches. I recently read your review on Silence. I thought it was fantastic because I keep on hearing that that movie was a torture. Mike, you saw Silence, right? What were your opinions of it? You know, I, I thought it was beautifully shot. I thought it was well acted and I got it. But quite honestly, you know, I felt it was it was kind of relentless. I kind of said the same thing over and oh over. Oh my god! Thank you. Yes. <laughs> over and over and over and over. I like. I felt like he could have cut an hour out of that movie. And and I, I also wondered, like, what if you're not religious at all? Like, what what are your thoughts on this? I mean, you know, what a lot. I'm Jewish. <laughs> right. That's what I'm right. saying. What if you're Jewish? You know, I felt like. You know, uh, I felt like, the, you know, the point of the film was like, you know, his faith was so strong that even though they tortured people and killed people in front of him, he still was like, no, I won't give in. And at a certain point, it's like, well, is that faith or is that this stubbornness? And and then for the audience, it's like, it, I got it the first time he tortured people. By the, by the well, I think, I think he, I think. I mean, I think you nailed it. I'm a very big fan of the book, which is actually by a Japanese Christian. And um, I think the book is actually about the flexibility of faith, ironically. It's about when, uh, when does it and does it not make sense to adjust your expression of faith in order to respect and acknowledge your environment. And I agree but, completely. And, and Scorsese had absolutely no ability to grasp that nuance. So the film is very one trick. Oh, apparently Scorsese is calling us yelled us about it. <laughs> like, All right. Uh, I don't believe in that. So well, well, you know, it's something else, Jack, I just want to say one more thing, too, because what I got from the Liam Neeson character was that, in my opinion, you know, he had, uh, I thought, you know, you, at least you're calling it flexibility in faith. Uh, and I said this to him in the interview that you saw, Jack, that I, I thought he made an act of love and, and not faith. Where yeah. He, he did, yes. he did yes. out of love for those people yes. and, and not so much faith in God. You know, I why mean, not I, have faith I, that that's what you're supposed to do? Well, and I think that that's, I know we need to switch topics, but I know that that's something that is 
that's really missing except for that tiny moment and yet would make would have made the film at least at its length much more worth its time you know because really in the book a lot of the issue is that the, the christian portuguese priests are viewed as arrogant that they don't have to be flexible and so i love that one little moment with Liam Neeson, but it made me long for a different movie you yeah, know? like La La Land, which is the movie I'm going to be talking about now. All right, uh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> nice we little go. segue in there. Um, nice. Look, guys, I'm going to talk to you about La La Land because I do feel it is the most singular film of this 2016 season. Um, Mike, As opposed to the other 2016 season, sorry. Yes, you know, <laughs> there's something about musicals, uh, first of all. If you look at Chicago, the musical, it won Best Picture. If you look at The Artist, it was a musical. It won Best Picture. Um, and when you look at La La Land, I think it's going in the same direction. If you look at the SAG nominations, you look at the Golden Globe nominations, you see what the Critics' Choice Movie Awards awarded and bestowed upon the best movie, which is La La Land. Damien Chazelle is a special director. I mean, I think we're witnessing a guy with an extreme amount of talent that knows how to tell a particular story well. I don't know about his range yet, but when it comes to these fantasies, uh, these dreamlike quality cinematic films, I think he's an excellent director about that. And what I most was attracted to about this particular film is not necessarily the cinematography or the music. It was the story about these two dreamers. And I think that anybody that's in this business, anybody that goes into entertainment or media has a particular dream of achieving a certain echelon. And this, these two guys, Ryan Gosling being a jazz musician and me being such a jazz fanatic and Emma Stone, a working actress trying to create her dreams, I just felt that both of them in this land of stars, in the city of stars of Los Angeles, this love letter that they've created uh, was a magical sort of chemistry upon all those art forms put together in this one sort of modernistic musical homage of the 30s and 40s that uh, uh, awakens this nostalgic aspect to this film that I just felt completely uh, immersed in and I could not shake this film till today I'm talking about it with such so much passion and hopefully it got, it does get best picture but curious to know Mike Lisa what do you guys think about La La Land did you guys like it not of course we like I mean of course I liked it I think the last 10 minutes of the film are the most rhapsodic 10 minutes in 2016 cinema yes absolutely beautiful um I, I, I think that it reminds, you know, it's, I'm a big fan of the old 1930s and 40s and 50s uh, studio musicals, the Bugsy Berkeley's, the MGM musicals. And this is, and I especially like the backstage musicals, which I really think are almost all the good movie musicals are musicals about musicals. And this one is in keeping with that long tradition. I think it's very telling that we're in what almost everybody agrees is a very dire moment in American history. And this is when we most need our cinema to provide us some light, not just lightheartedness, but actual beautiful light. And I think that film does fall into that category. It's one of my top 10 of the year. Definitely. Mike, what did you think? Did you, did you see it? Yeah, no, I saw it. I, I liked the film quite a bit, actually. Uh, I didn't like it as much as I liked. Really? really? What was it that, that yeah, did it turn you off at flash. some point? See, I, well, you know, I like the film. I think to me, the strongest thing about it was, you know, a that it worked. You know, it's a film that on paper would be like, ah, how could that work? I think it really worked. I think he pulled it off. I agree with you that I think he's one of the most interesting creative talents out there. I think that his love and passion 
for music in general and definitely 30s and 40s musicals because I enjoy those quite a bit myself. Uh, I like that. I, I really, really enjoyed the film. I thought it was a great film. I don't know Best Picture, but I really did like the film. Oh, I just think that it's interesting because, you know, the, the Academy has been under serious fire for the last few years for Oscar So White and deservedly so. You know, like we, we've had some years with really great films by and starring some amazing like actors and artists of color. And um, I think this year Moonlight might actually win it, not just because it's one of the most extraordinary films I've seen in a long time, but because the Academy is on like is on punishment and it knows it. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. and Moonlight and, Moon, and Moonlight is actually one of my favorite. It, it's one of my favorite films. There. I actually listed it in most of my top ten list as the number one. BAFTA. I was just gonna uh, you know just jump on what you were saying about diversity. BAFTA. Mike, you sent me a text recently that BAFTA said that by 2019. If directors don't provide a diverse film, they won't be considered for nomination. Absolutely. And what I think is interesting is that, you know, Oscars are going to have to catch up because Oscars, you know, ironically, uh, you know, for, for, for England, for BAFTA, for Europe to be taking the lead in something like this, because it's It's not just about throwing some... It is. It's not just about throwing some black or, or faces of color on screen. It's not just about writing in a few roles uh, for the Asian market. It's about, like, like it's about crew. Right. It's about crew. It's about behind the yeah. scenes. It's about word, all of that. It's about, yeah. So, so for me, I thought that was a pretty amazing thing. And I have to say, it strikes me as very interesting. And, and you talk about the time that we live in here, Lisa, that... Even though um, Cheryl Boone Isaacs is is a woman of color, it's a, under her watch we had Oscar so white, until she finally had to make some change, you know. And 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 the same thing that I just the article you sent me about the New York Times and the lack of diversity there, it's still mm-hmm. under the watch of the the chief editor uh, is black. And, Dean and, Bequette, and it, right. it strikes me, yeah, it, it strikes me also that. We've seen the worst rise of, of police brutality against black people under Obama's watch. And, right. and I have to say that I think just putting a, a, a black figurehead, you know, or a figurehead of color is not enough. It's not Absolutely. enough to say, okay, we're, we're in that place. And I think that, that America and, and the academy has fallen into that trap. It's like, well, well look, we have a black president. So, uh, you know, what's the problem? And I think that we have to... You know, we have to kind of catch up because the world is not just made up of white males, you know, and though primarily, let's face it, all of our colleagues, if 90 percent of films are made, produced, financed, uh, and the people getting most paid are white males, and then 90 percent of the people critiquing them are white males. Then, yeah, what kind uh, of I think that there's a problem, you know, there's a problem that has to be addressed now. That being said, I cannot see with the current administration coming in that changing, but I don't want to get into a whole other conversation. I agree <laughs> with you about Moonlight. Uh, I also think that, you know, we don't have to get into the issue with Nate Parker. I think that, you know, the Academy needed, uh, and I think Nate Parker's film and the, the, the uh, claim it got at the Birth time of a Nation. At Sundance. Birth, Birth of a Nation. The claim it got at the time uh, at Sundance was somewhat in reaction to what was well, going on. Well, I've got to say that, I have to say that Birth of a Nation is, one of the, is a film that tells us more about critics than it tells us about anything else. You nailed because it, Lisa. Out, totally, no, totally agree. Because coming out of Sundance, 
That movie got nothing but accolade upon accolade. Yep. Upon Praise, accolade. Yep. absolutely. And then, the minute that, and then the minute that all this came out about the uh, the rape accusation, hypocrisy the suicide kicked in. connected to the rape accusation. Basically, right. every single one of those critics was like, "By the way, the movie is a lot more conventional than it needed to be. It's a lot more trite." Absolutely. Like, and the thing is, is that like the truth of the truth is that I actually think it's a very fine film. Is exactly, it it's no. one of my top ten but films think, of the year. I I, I think that. The only reason it's not in one of my top tens is honestly because I do think that he simplifies the gender issue a little bit more than he has to in the film. But I still think it's an incredibly beautifully done. It's and so visceral film, violent and, and graphic. And, you know, we're talking here about silence, but his examination of the way that spirituality and revolution intersect is profound. It's a very good film. But what's interesting is that, again, I don't think that that I think that that film shows how popular opinion can vary or build a, a movie's trajectory in terms of awards. You know, well, not just not just popular opinion. I think you nailed on your head. You said critic opinion. Critical opinion. You have to look at yeah, critical absolutely. opinion, but you yeah. also have to yeah, look yeah. at who who makes up most of the film critics in this country. See, you know, so you know they they well, were accused. Yeah. They were accused of, of the reaction being from white guilt, but, you know, the, the white guilt can reverse very quickly. Well, so, anyway, man, if I know. could, I would love to talk a little bit more about Moonlight. Which yes, is a movie that so this is so, your yeah, favorite we, movie. We, we went off, yes. So, Lisa, so, your, I mean, your favorite movie of the up. year is Moonlight. It is, and it's not, the thing is, is that it's, it's um, to me, it's that rare film who's, that doesn't mean, in, in the, you know, some films are incredible looking, but they don't quite tell that packs a profound punch that they could. And then there's some films that pack an unbelievable punch in terms of allowing us to understand more about the human condition. And so much so that we're willing to look away from maybe the the craftsmanship that isn't quite up to par. To me, this is that rare film that really hits the nail on both heads. Like it's about, it's really about the trajectory of a young closeted gay gangster living mostly living in the South, mostly Florida, uh, starting, you know, who has a, a mother who goes basically his single mom who goes from being a nurse to becoming a crack whore, essentially. And um, the score is on point, like the storytelling is on point. And to me, every performance in this film just brought me to my knees, especially the ones I didn't expect. I know me for Aris, who plays a mom in this film and a Janelle, uh, a Janelle Monet, like blew my Janelle mind. Janelle Monet, who was also in Hidden Figures, and, and I thought brought yeah, her A game to that film. Amazing, she is having a year and a half, and she deserves it. She's awesome. Now, out of that so film, I, uh, I believe that uh, Naomi Harris is nominated and could be nominated for a Best yeah. Picture Oscar. There's a lot of nominations Actually, that could come out of this. Of, a lot. Actually, it's interesting. I belong uh, to the women's female journalists like association, and we have nominated not only Naomi but also Janelle for Best Supporting Actress of the Year award. It's interesting. You know uh, what I do like about Moonlight is that we're talking that it's also very well crafted. Uh, the playwright, yes. which is a gay black playwright, his name is Terrell Alva McCraney. Yes, yeah, and it's well, it it, it's based on his book, correct? Well, he wrote, he basically wrote a short story and it kept on going. And then Barry Jenkins, who it's interesting. Everybody assumes that Barry is gay as well, but although but he's he not, grew yeah. up with, he's not, he's not gay. He, in fact, he grew up as kind of a sports, sports guy slash thug. I've read interviews with him, but he resonated with other aspects of the story. And man, did he find the right way to capture it. I mean, the way that film looks like I, I can't stop thinking about it. It's so beautifully shot and edited. I happen to think that Moonlight, one of the Moonlight's main challenges was 
how do you make people watch a gay black film or a story about gay blacks, which is something that's not mainstream yet? As much as pro- well, as progressive this country wants to be, these are stories that are still finding very small audiences, and not everybody can handle that. So the fact that he did this so brilliantly, and the fact that critics are applauding it so greatly. Well, I have to say, I, I, I don't, I, I don't really see the film as so much a gay black film. I see it's a film about black life, and what I thought was powerful about the film, and I agree with everything both of you said, was uh, that this is a film where you know pretty much almost every aspect of this story you've seen before in other movies. You've seen, you know, the kid who got beat up. You've seen the, the closeted uh, young gay person. You've seen, uh, you know, the, the drug addict mother. You know, you've seen all these elements, but, Absolutely. you know, okay. hey, he, he, he elevated it to such a level that you could see what you said, the human condition, the, 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 you, uh, what, the problem I have with a lot of movies, especially movies that are made by not people of color about black or Latino life or inner city urban life is they always show you the what, and it's sort of sensationalized, but they don't show yeah. you the why. They don't That's show right. you the why. And this, this is a movie, That's right. you know, and I always use the example of the movie Monster. Monster is a great example of, you know, I'll never be a, a white uh, prostitute serial killer. Okay, but uh, but but I understood why she was what she was, so I could sympathize with her, and I felt that this movie also—it's a movie that part of the beauty of it is what is not said on screen, what we just see in the characters' faces, what what what's told. That that one scene that's that's so iconic, uh, and for so many reasons, when Mahershala Ali is teaching this young boy to swim, oh there God. are mm-hmm. so many levels. There are so many levels to that one scene. It breaks so many conventions it has so much to say about manhood about fatherhood about you know myths about black people about uh you know spirituality it's so much in one scene it, it's it's why i think it definitely should be a contender for best picture because oh, for it's real. what what movies should be for to you know to me i i was it, it casts a spell on you and yeah. you're, you're, you're just it's been a great fix. year right. for and black films. It. You have Loving, you have Kicks, oh, yeah. you have uh, Moonlight. I mean, this Hidden is figures. one of uh, exactly. Fences. There's so Let's many of them. Kicks, Kicks, Kicks. kicks. Very good. He, yeah. he actually, by the way, he, he already did say it, brother. Yeah, dude, <laughs> I, I love what Kicks did to me was bring me to yeah. my childhood of the type of people I knew, the bullies that I had uh-huh. to deal with. It hit me so deep on a on a on a on a primal level, man. That I just I can't. It's hard to explain when you feel a movie as opposed to study the movie as an art form and you feel it. It, it kind of just defies uh, words of how to be able to describe those things. But this movie in Moonlight and the rest of this, this is a great year for films. I hope the Oscars really take into consideration these films and mention them in their top, you know, best lists, hopefully. Uh, Mike, you have a movie. None of us know what it is. What is your favorite movie of the year? Well, you know, it's hard for me to say what my favorite, but I'll pull from my top ten. Okay. Uh, I have to say, I really, really liked Arrival. And I liked Arrival for yes. a lot. That's Lisa's yes. second yes. favorite movie of the year. Okay. It's funny. And I actually, can I tell you something really funny? Is I know Mike Mike and I are on, Mike and I do the show together pretty often, and I know him well enough to know that this morning when I was thinking about it, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to switch off for Arrival because I know Mike, and he's going to make Arrival one of his best. So <laughs> I switched it. it. Well, again and again, you, 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 you said something. 
you said something about uh, Moonlight that I feel the same way about uh, uh, Arrival in that, you know, what, what science fiction does is, is it says something about the human condition. Okay. It, tells us, okay. it tells us more of who we are. And, and the thing that science fiction and comedy can do more than any other genre is that it can talk about the human condition without it being didactic, without it hitting you over the head, without you realizing what it's telling you. And, and Arrival is one of those movies that says so much. It says things about communication. It says things about, you know, fear, what we're afraid of. And perception of time. And perception of time. And it outdoes, it, 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 to me, it's really like a giant Twilight Zone episode. And it outdoes, uh, or, or it really does what M. Night Shyamalan has been trying to do ever since The Sixth Sense, where we finally, we see something, and we, it, only, it all comes together at the end. And it's not forced. It's not, it's not uh, a trick. It's not a big reveal. But it's something mm-hmm. that makes everything else that came before have even more resonance. This is a deep and, movie. Think about life. This is a very deep movie. Lisa, why did you like this movie so much? I mean, a lot of what Mike is saying, but I also think that, you know, I'm a huge fan of this director whose who's name uh, is actually escaping me because it's one Dennis of the Villeneuve. Villeneuve. He's oh, the yeah. French who, director. Who actually, he did Sicario. He did Prisoners. He's doing the new Blade Runner that we just That's right. Well, the film he, yes. The film I most love by him is this film called Incendies. And what I think he does in all of his films is he looks at, I mean, they're all, most of his films are usually multilingual. And I think he looks at language itself and how it does and does not serve us. Like what we can and cannot communicate if we're not being honest with ourselves and with our hearts. And I feel like putting, like he really, it's no mistake that he, he was drawn to a story about a linguist trying to deal with a world, like a group of beings that it's not only that they can't communicate with each other, it's that they don't know if they even have the same concepts with which to communicate. And to me, that is absolutely fascinating. The idea that really the only thing that's true isn't time, isn't language, but is actually love. Like when we fail each other, when we connect with each other. It's just, to me, one of the most fascinating ways to tell a story I have seen in years. One great like, thing about it. this film is, and, we, and it should be noted, is that uh, the director of photography is Bradford Young, who's an African-American. Yes. You yes. rarely see DPs that are of color in Hollywood. And it just adds to why you should love this movie. It's done by real great talent. Um, the movie's really, at, for me, it's really about the ending. It ties to, like Michael Sargent was saying, it ties all the crescendos really lead up to this one ending. And by the way, it's not a, it's not a simple movie to figure out. I had no. I had to go back and watch this movie again. I had to read some of the forums just to kind of understand where people were taking mm-hmm. it because it's ambiguous. But at the at the end of the day, what you really do feel from the film is what you said, Lisa. There's a love there that you don't necessarily get at the beginning, but at the end, it's clear. I absolutely love that this film poked at, at, at every assumption that we make about narrative and about sort of what what is real time, basically. The movie isn't just about language, it's about time. Amy Adams is fantastic. You know, she's having an interesting year because she's also in Nocturnal Animals, which is a film I, I, I really don't enjoyed her like. there. You didn't like I, it? I hate Nocturnal Animals. No, it's a terrible movie, but I think she's very good. Oh, I so liked it. The movie is all about surfaces. It's a superficial movie 
that's trying to be deep about superficiality and it's a total mess. But she's great in it, I have to say. She's she's having a good year. Listen, five Oscar nominations. This looks like it'll be six Oscar nominations. I kind of hope she either gets it for the rival or for Nocturne. Well, I, I don't think she's going to be nominated for Nocturne. She won't, she won't get it for anything. I think this is Annette Benning's year, honestly. I think it's Natalie Portman's yeah, year. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I agree. I think it's Annette Benning's year, too. You, you, think, fine. you think so? You think 20th Century yeah, yeah. Women was the best performance that she... That, <laughs> you, you, you talk missing the point of the Oscars. The Oscars is exactly. about the performance. The Oscars no. is like whether or not they admit it, it's really about the culmination of a person's career. Oh, like whether if it's supporting absolutely. actor, absolutely. You know, they're trying to encourage Absolutely. And if Absolutely. The best if that were the case, thing, Lisa, then Warren Beatty's rules don't apply would probably get nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, no, so they could give it to him. No, Warren had his time. He's, he's, had, he's his had, his had his time. Exactly. He's, he's had, had his, his moment. Basically, everybody Listen, and, and their brothers like, Warren, why did you bother? <laughs> exactly. He's, he's had his time. As a matter of fact, uh, the best example I can to, to uh, underscore what Lisa's saying is, who's going to say that Al Pacino's best performance was in Scent of a Woman. I mean, for <laughs> real. Are you kidding me? Hello. Like, or Martin Scorsese's The the Departed. I, I get it. <laughs> okay, well, with that said, yeah, no. Mike, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Our time is up. Uh, uh, if you haven't been to the theaters and you haven't seen Moonlight and you haven't seen La La Land and you haven't seen Arrival, these are three of the movies that we have suggested here. You go run and see because I do think they're going to be nominated for Best Picture of the Year. They're going to probably be nominated in several other categories. Agreed. Uh, Agreed. And I think it's some of the best stuff that 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 anyone can see this year, 2016. So go run to the theater, check them out before the Oscar nominations uh, come out sometime in January. Thank you, guys. Right. Happy okay. holidays. Happy holidays. If I don't see you guys, you happy too. New Year, too. Take it easy, guys. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and... Producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.